When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 26, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Hey, buddy, we're really, really scraping the barrel today. Like, literally, at the last minute we're about to hit record, you're like, oh, I've got a second item to talk about. Yeah, this is how bad the show's getting. I had to go back 63 years to, uh, <laughs> to find an item here. That's hilarious. Show. Oh, my God. <laughs> More on that later. But right. uh, first off, uh, Irish pro Dara O'Kearney, who is sponsored by Unibet, has written a blog about what it takes to become a sponsored pro, especially in the modern world where fewer and fewer players are getting deals. His suggestions, be a content creator, represent a specific demographic, interact with your fans, and be careful about who you represent. First of all, it's an Irish pro, so you got to say, Dara O'Kearney. you got to say it like that. Okay, that's the first thing you got wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, it's funny. I know Good I do we're this. We're not in the middle of a cancer culture here, Chris. <laughs> I know I do this often, but I compare poker to bowling a lot, even though I've given up on bowling now, too. But um, they have the same sort of thing. They have sponsored pros, um, and they, they don't have to be pros, though. You just have to be someone who's really visible in the bowling community, like enter a lot of tournaments, do well in the tournaments, so that they're not just sponsoring some loser who gets a free bowling shirt or free bowling equipment and doesn't get anything for it. So they want to make sure you're high profile and things like that. And uh, even content creator, if you're somebody who has your own YouTube channel for bowling, like tips or trying out a new ball or stuff like that, then they look for people like that as well. So it's very similar. You know, you you create content, you're visible, um, and you're successful. Same thing with poker. If you suck at poker, they're not going to make you one of their pros. If You know, (laughs) they're not going to call me and you up and say, hey, you know, we might be a little bit popular, but that's about all we have going for us. So very similar. Um, I uh, I think that's interesting. Yeah. So we're really, what it really kind of illustrates, I think, um, and I, nothing he said here is surprising to me. It was just nice that to put it all in one compact little uh, package there, though, right? Right. To give us is, something to talk uh, about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, you know the, these companies are getting smarter about how they spend their their money? So back in the day, they would just slap a patch on you at the final table, right? Right. And, um, and just go with the visibility, not knowing 
who you are or how you're going to act or what kind of response people will have to you. Now they're being very much more picky, and it's not, like as you mentioned, not just about talent. It's about what's your audience. What, who, who can you bring to this brand, right? So, so yeah, these folks that are creating content, they are creating um, audiences just like we did, just mm. bigger audiences than, than we did. Right. Um, and, uh, and, uh, like they said, the specific demographic, if you, if you, uh, if you are really popular with a smaller group rather than maybe overall more popular, uh, they're going to go with where you're, you're bringing more people, right? More eyeballs. So sure, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And then, uh, then I really like the part where he says interacting with your fans. Cause really, I think that's the, the way you build an audience. I mean, I, we've seen these pros that, uh, they they just don't do that right they they're aloof and they they just like the attention but don't give back um and i'd like to say that i think that's one of the reasons that we built our audience so much is that we we interact so well and and respond to emails and you know used to set up uh meet and greets when we went on travels and yeah. stuff like that yeah. so um because because you have a a stronger bond uh with those kind of folks than you do with somebody that you just watch on tv and it's a community Oh, to be exactly right. 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 Exactly, yes. you're creating oh, so a community. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. So, yeah. really, what they're looking for is people to bring communities to their to their brands. So, uh, I thought it was a really interesting um, uh, article, and yeah. uh, and it does kind of help really try to under, uh, make people understand the how how the world has changed in these deals now. So, that makes a lot of sense. And like, I know you don't embrace Twitter, but I mean, imagine you know if you show up to say Unibet and say, "Hey, look, I've got a million followers." You know, that's a million people I can tell about Unibet, and they're all following me because they play poker. So it's 100% your demographic. You know, I'm creating content on there every day talking about how I play or what to look for or where I'm playing and how to follow me and all that stuff. It's a big deal. I know Facebook is is a little more, I don't know, mature or, or thorough, but Twitter is a big way to just hit out real quick. Oh, man, I just sucked out on this guy and get everybody pumped. And it's like live kind of, you know seeing kind of social media whereas you know and then the other stuff too like twitch and and youtube and stuff i mean you you have comment sections and totally you know you respond to them and everything and you've got the it makes the average person feel like they know you or they're part of your world and that's what unibet wants they want or whoever any people doing sponsoring things so it's a smart smart way to weed out or you know what the people who don't really deserve to be sponsored or deserve your sponsored dollars you know we used to show up events all the time and people would ask us for a patch, you know, and be like, yeah, we were desperate at the time. We're like, yeah, let everybody know about Annie at Magazine, you know. Yeah. But as it got further in, there were, you know, we were thinking, you know, there were some people we wouldn't want wearing our patch because we didn't want <laughs> that, you know, we didn't want that attitude or that negative publicity for our magazine. So, you know, when you're desperate, yeah, but when you're uh, like Unibet, you can afford to really weed out and, and find people who are, you know, who are worthy of your your name, your brand? So very cool. Yeah, and our uh, the flip as well too is uh, you know don't just take a deal to take a deal. So you, if you you need to believe in the company that you're you're putting on your chest, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's that too. But um, and, and the last thing we'll say on this is just I mean this we're we're in an influencer culture now, right? I mean there right. people who make their living now and make a really good living just by posting photos on Instagram, right? So that's really what, what they're looking for. And uh, we'll go back to that, that fire festival that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the show. That That's really how they got everybody down there. They they, they promised this big 
concert, week-long concert in the Bahamas with no acts. And they sold it out because they they hired these really popular Instagram influencers to, uh, you know, post it. And and on the documentary, they're like, I, I just can't believe we just watched the the reservations come in. Yeah. <laughs> like, so just think about that. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of the world we're in. So, so definitely, yeah. If you're trying to get a deal out there, you need to start creating your own uh, little community there. So you'd say what uh, Paris Hilton and Kardashian are the originators. Of yeah, the, definitely uh, start influencer. Well. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. All right, a uh, new article on Outsider.com spotlights an old interview with Hollywood animal trainer Frank Inn, who claims John Wayne won Lassie at a poker game. Chris, wow! As Inn tells it, the Duke and uh, Lassie's trainer Rudd Weatherwax. God, I love this. <laughs> Only the best name ever. Rudd Weatherwax. We're in a high-stakes poker game, and, well, you know, this being Hollywood and all, Rudd wagered all the money he had on the table but wanted to bet more, Chris. Oh, man. So Wayne told him if he liked his hand so much, he should wager his dog. Uh, Wayne and Weatherwax wrote up a deal worth uh, five to $6,000, then about $59,000 in current dollars, for Wayne to take Lassie and all the other dogs in Weatherwax's kennel if he won the hand. And, well, Weatherwax's straight wasn't as good as he thought it was, just like Nick Cage in the honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> And Wayne took over the kennel. Lassie sadly died soon after. Okay, so I got a few things to say. One, uh, if the deal was worth between five and six grand, I love how you put a very specific fifty nine thousand on there for current <laughs> I'm just dollars. Get it off of the article. <laughs> so, and the other thing is, this is exactly how I got you as a partner in the magazine, except I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to win Faso. And I lost the hand. I had to get you as a consolation prize. So, oh, man. luckily, you didn't die soon after, though. <laughs> but this is hilarious, and it's like, it's like, wow, that's a ton of money if you think about it for just guys playing poker back then. And you know, back then it was probably some sort of draw game, or they weren't playing hold'em. You know, yeah, probably weren't playing crazy pineapple right? <laughs> exactly. They're, or stud or something. They, they might have been they were copying like the movies or something and played like yeah, five, could card have been five card stud. Yeah, back to Steve McQueen's day. Exactly. Um, but wow, I've never heard that story ever. That's so bizarre too. Like John Wayne owning a famous Hollywood dog. You know, that's and then killing it and then killing it. Like, do you think he shot it or do you think it just died because? Uh, didn't know what they were no, doing. So with it dogs. sounds like what they worked out is they he didn't really own. He got to license the name and everything. So you know when I was looking this uh, stuff up to find out how um, how long ago this was, I, I just googled when last he died, and uh, it was 1958, and he died at Rudd Weatherwax's house in North Hollywood. Huh. So must have given him back then. Yeah, so apparently he didn't, uh, uh, John Wayne didn't have to go walk him and take a little, you know, pooper scooper with him and stuff like that ever. He just, um, basically <laughs> just owned him, but didn't really own him. Because, <laughs> you know, and I, I know I keep doing this, I did it earlier, so I'll do it again, but with, with bonsai, you know, there are trees in the world that are worth millions and they, they're owned by these rich people. But they don't own, like they don't have them on their property. Like there's just a person who takes care of the tree for them, enters them in contests and stuff, and they they own it, but they never touch the tree. They never. It's just like the status thing. So it's very similar to this. He he wins the dog, but Weatherwax gets to keep the dog and take care of the dog. But if John Wayne wants to come over and put Lassie in a diaper, I mean that's his choice. 
because <laughs> he owns Lassie, you know, but he, he never really does anything with the dog like these people do with their trees, you know. It's pretty funny. 63 years before the introduction of NFTs. I don't know if you've been reading about this, but that's exactly it. It's rich I have people seen buying it. stuff that's free just to say they own it. Right? Yeah, just to say they own it. Like, wasn't that the – it was the first tweet, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Jack Dorsey, yep. Millions of dollars for a, a, just to own a digital – tweet i mean it doesn't make any sense uh people just have too <laughs> much money but trust me i'm trying to sell anything i can if ran up to you they know <laughs> can't i mean can't you donate to a good charity instead of owning a digital tweet? hey right now you and i are both a good charity so that's I'd right be happy somebody to donate to us so that's right <laughs> i will clearly take your money and, and, yeah. hey i wonder if i could just buy rudd Weatherwax's name now i'm sure he's dead too right <laughs> <laughs> Can I just NFT that stuff, man? That'd be awesome. I'll tell you what. Anybody in the Antiup Nation wants to own me and treat me the way John Wayne treated Lassie, but give me 59 grand, you can do it. I mean, we're joking here, but I guess we could sell the first podcast, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. probably not going to get a lot of money for that because it was really crappy. But uh, I still have it on, on DV, uh, a CD, a DVD. too. <laughs> DVD. I have the original CD. Of our first show somewhere. Oh, wow. So if somebody wants to give us 59 grand for it, you can you can have the rights to the first show. Or, or $59 even at this point. Yeah, so. really. I'll take 59 anything. Stamps. <laughs> you, you know, the funny thing is I'm sitting on my desk here, and I, I did print out you know our 10th anniversary show notes uh-huh. back uh, whenever that was, and uh, I printed out some copies uh, that I thought at some point we could autograph and auction off and uh i i'm realizing how long ago it is now because i just picked it up off my desk and dust flew everywhere so. <laughs> well i mean that doesn't necessarily mean it's old it could just be in your slob oh, well it's both it, it definitely means both yes. <laughs> well, autograph copies. Well, vacuum is interrupting our show right now to hitting my feet so <laughs> Um, All right, so here's a couple updates on ongoing stories. Uh, First, the WPT deal. Element Partners has submitted a better deal for the World Poker Tour just at the deadline to do so, and is now back in front of the horse race for the company. Element's new offer is $500,000 more than Bally Corp's offer, which was better than Element's initial offer. That's insane. I really don't really understand how this (laughs) this keeps working. So I think you had the key in there. You said deadline. So apparently there were deadlines and that these news just got out, but there really was time for people to submit. So so it's not like it was that underhanded earlier when we talked about Bally saying, oh, that's brutal. But actually, if they set a deadline for people to buy the company, then it's not as horrendous as we thought. Well, I think it was a deadline to improve their offer. Counter, yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, which okay. I'm sure is probably standard. It's just it's funny because, you know, so now does this mean there's a new deadline for Bally's? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and at some point, you know, I mean, it's becoming like an auction without being an auction, right? Right. So might as well just say, hey, submit our your best deal, and then we're going to be done with this. Can can we have that? Can, can yeah, we get guys I, dueling over us at that rate? Wow. Well, let's wait and see what we get for our uh, oh, yeah. for our first podcast. That's right. That's right. I forgot all about that. All right. Not, might not want to sell that again. So. <laughs> all right. And then the Postal case, Mike Postal's 300 and I guess $330 million. I cheated him out of $30 million. Oh, geez. Yeah, $30 million dollar lawsuit against Poker Pros and media members will live on for at least another month. A judge granted Postal's motion for continuation, though for a shorter one than he asked for. 
The judge noted Apostle's motion was unusual as it was delivered in person instead of writing as usual. Apostle represented, represented himself but told the judge he is close to securing new counsel. And since I wrote this, I saw some other stuff that uh, has, is questioning whether he's close to new counsel or not. I honestly don't have the uh, interest web uh, bandwidth <laughs> to follow all the nitty-gritty of this, so uh, we will give you the bigger updates as we hear them. Stories that never died. Yes. It's crazy. Are we talking about reopenings this week? Well, we will say there's no new reopenings this week, so we are still sitting tall on 227. That was a good TV uh, show. Yes, exactly. With uh, Marla uh, Gibbs. Yeah, right? And what was her name? Jean Tay? Or what was her name? Oh, yes, Jackie. Jackie. That's what it was. Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Just remember to go to antiamagazine.com slash reopen and subscribe to our e-blast, which is going out in 49 minutes. You realize that 98% of our audience, which is, what, nine people, basically said, what the hell are they just talking about there? Who, who are those people? What is I, I that don't show? know that for sure. I, I think our demographics closely mirror our own demographics, so they, they probably do remember. All right. Any okay. updates? Uh, Papes, the Annie Up Free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, 26th every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Annie Up Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call-the-floor questions, or, you know, just discuss anything poker. Uh, check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop to buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up PokerCast, or Annie Up PokerTour logos. I have to ask, do you think we've reached, like, Motley Crue status where we can just start the Annie update and then put the microphone out and then our, our listeners can finish what I'm about to say with these four <laughs> things every week? Like if I well, say certainly, certainly if you forget how to speak like Vince Neal does, then we're going to have to do that. So. As long I'll as you say, keep your uh, voice, probably not. If you have a hand of the, <laughs> they're finishing it now. Hang on. All right. If you have a hand of the week, a listener spotlight, or a call the floor submission, email us at podcast at com or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. Uh, it's time for call the floor. If you find yourself in a situation or at your favorite poker room or your home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been, email us at podcast.anyupmagazine.com, and we'll have Horseshoe Tunica Casino Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. There's a change right there. Yeah, just breaking some news there for yeah, you. Yeah, should talk about it. You can look at Elliot down in uh, Mississippi now after Yay. a couple years up there in uh, Ohio and Michigan. So He, he likes to tour the country. Apparently, he does, yes. He is living in more places than I have socks. That's right. <laughs> Our good friend Vic G is back, which is shocking, because uh, we haven't heard from him in a while. Well, you it's know, COVID. this COVID thing was going on, and he said, you know, he wanted to be careful, so he hasn't been playing, but uh, but now he's got his uh, shots and uh, is back out there uh, doing the doing the poker thing now. So I got my first shot on Tuesday, and I had a reaction to it. Uh, and just before the show, they announced that I will be eligible for mine on Monday, so I'm oh, pre-registered good. now. So it was and, weird. Uh, I got the shot, and then I sat down, and then I took the photo of my my arm with the band aid, and I posted it on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, I felt this like rush to my head, 
And I'm like, what the hell am I feeling right now? What the hell is this? Was it Tom Sawyer? <laughs> I, I wish that's what it was. And then I started feeling like weak and a little jittery. And I was like, what the hell? Am I having an allergic reaction to this? This is not good because they're rare. The allergic reactions right. are rare. So I'm in this place where you have, I have my masks on and you, you, you don't want to take your mask off to breathe fresh air and they won't let you leave for 15 minutes to get fresh air. So I'm like, do I tell somebody? And I'm like, uh, and my heart started racing because I was getting nervous. I didn't know if it was the reaction or if it was me getting nervous. I was freaking out. So then I look up and there's a sign. It's like, if you're experiencing any of these, let somebody know. And I'm like, uh oh, I'm experiencing like three of these four. But then by the time I wanted to tell somebody, I was fine. So I didn't say anything. The guy came by later. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> and then I left. But uh, I'm worried about the second shot now because if I had that reaction, what's going to happen with the second? It's the same which, shot. Which flavor did you get? Oh, the uh, Pfizer. Oh, Pfizer. Wow. Yeah. No, no one's really told me they had any problem with Pfizer. I know. I'm freaking out. But, it's you know, I did find out is people were saying that the second shot's a booster, but it's not. It's the exact same shot. I looked it up today. So if I have to experience the same thing, it'll be worth it. I just hope it doesn't kill me, you know. Well, you know, I feel bad that you had an initial reaction, but it makes me feel better because the wife got hers and they told her to hang out. She got out to Publix and told her to hang out for 15 minutes to make sure she's all right, right. which I thought was a very deliberate ploy to get her to buy a bunch of stuff, which worked. <laughs> no, they do that That's everywhere. Do anything for the store? And I'm like, yeah, I gave her a list, and then she came home with all the stuff. So <laughs> Yeah, they have to do that everywhere. But they make you sit there and not move. I don't know. She, they let her walk around the store? Uh, yeah, I think they just told her just to not let, not leave for 15 minutes. because oh, so. she could have passed out or something, you know? Well, yeah, but then you're in public, so then, you know. <laughs> yeah, because there's the huge medical people at the Publix. <laughs> All right, so let's get to uh, Vic G here. He says, uh, the dealer puts out a flop of seven of hearts, seven of diamonds, four of spades. Middle position player checks. And as I'm contemplating a bet size, this exchange occurs. Middle position says, I call. Dealer says, sir, action is on the button. Middle position, yeah, but I call. Bet what you want. We can go all in if you want. I asked the dealer to call over the floor so he can verify that this verbal declaration is binding, whether I bet $2 or go all in. It wasn't clear if-then conditional statement, which I know to be binding, so the floor can rule on the statement and the player's intentions. The dealer recaps the situation, and the floor says verbal is binding in the middle position player must call any bet the middle position player doesn't argue so i suspect uh this was the intent of his out of turn comments i announce all in and flick in a chip uh the dealer completes the board seven of hearts seven of diamonds four spades queen of spades five of clubs as soon as a five of club hits the river the middle position jumps out of his seat slams his five five on the table and yells boat baby that's how i do it yeah that's a boat Everyone just stares at him in his antics. Such enthusiasm in retelling that story, Chris. I, I want to make sure I'm reading it right. This whole thing, man. I think this is like a PDF or something. I didn't know I could edit. Yes, that's a boat. All right, hang on. Here we go. Middle position player jumps out of his seat, slams five five on a table, and yells, "Boat baby, that's how I do it. Yeah, that's a boat." So much better. I was just worried about you actually having to do it the night before Christmas with the family this year and putting the kids to sleep. Jeez, man. Well, it's it, it's not out of the realm that I'm still having a reaction to the Pfizer. He said he could have it up to like 36 hours. So uh, He says, everyone just stares at him and his antics. Eventually, the dealer in the floor looked back at me as I quietly table queen queen and rake in at the $1,100 plus pot. 
I think that but the floor is still winning even after his hiatus. Yeah, of course. I think the floor's ruling was correct. These out of turn comments are sometimes an angle shot. Uh, the better can't bluff as the angle shooter must call all bets. Sometimes, if the better makes a big bet, the angle shooter thinks he can get away with folding. I always call the floor in this situation before acting. All right, Elliot says the villain made a clear attempt to intimidate you and reduce your betting options. While it may not have been a conventional conditional statement, it definitely was one. His initial statement could have been regarded as a bet out of turn due to not paying attention. The dealer correctly informed uh, him of the action, and then the villain made his intention to conditionally bet quite explicit. The proper ruling was made regarding their being required uh, to call any bet you made. The only thing missing was a warning to the villain to not make that move again in the future. Yes, very important at that point to remind folks that not only did you do something you shouldn't have, but you really shouldn't do it again in the future. Yeah, I actually did that once at Bally's after a afternoon of frustration. I was so tired of, you know, having pocket aces, raising the standard amount, having somebody call and flopping a set on me and losing my stack. It happened like twice that day. I did that once. I think I had 7-7 seven, seven and or something, and the flop came with a 7, and the guy was contemplating, and I'm like, whatever you bet, I'm calling. You know, and I just got tired. I got frustrated. Then he looked at me, and I'm like, go ahead, whatever you bet, I'm calling. He goes, I'm all in. I go, I call. And then I got some of that money back. But I did that once before. I didn't get warning or anything. I just, I was frustrated. They must have saw how frustrated I was. But, but you know, it, I've seen that happen at the table, too. People do that all the time. They're they're trying to get cute. They're, they're trying to make themselves feel better than they are, right. you know, yeah. or whatever. And like, now nah, I was doing that myself. I was frustrated by, you know, I was doing the same thing. I wasn't as good as I thought I was and was just frustrated. So, but I'm glad Elliot said that too. He should have gotten a warning. Okay, we got a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. We've reached the final episode of this saga against the same player during the same $1, $2 No Limit Hold'em casino cash game. We've bought in again for $200 and are currently stuck $400 on the night. Our opponent has once again changed seats. He's done this periodically and is now in the MP. We look down in the under the gun with $200 and a gorgeous pair of black kings. We make it $8 to go, which has become the table standard. I like a raise to $10 or $12 here, but I found that most of the time that gets instamucks all over the table, and kings are a hand we need to extract value with if we're going to be a winning player. It's folded to the MP who calls the $8. He's still been living large and currently has north of 600 in his stack. The button also calls. The blinds fold, the pot is around $25, and the flop is the nine of diamonds, seven of spades, tray of hearts. I like this flop for our hand. We make it $20 to go, leaving us $172 behind. The MP, the villain from the previous two episodes, shoves. The button sighs, rolls his eyes, and folds. So, here we are again. What's the move? This is Jennifer Harmon at Full Tilt Poker, and I listen to Annie Epps. 
It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com and uh, the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiapmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And Rick Barnes sent us one email with all kinds of content last week, Chris. So I didn't get it. We did a we did a banner, and then we we turned another one into a um, listener spotlight that was kind of like a call, hand of the week. And this week he's got a second hand, and we're going to turn that into an actual real hand of the week. We're going to milk all the blood out of this turnip. Okay, I remember <laughs> that. that I, I, so that's good because that, that's why I don't feel like I've been, you know, I, I don't want to like uh, have anybody think I know what's going on ahead of time because I don't remember that email at all. So that's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rick says a few weeks later after uh, the last one we talked about last week that Chris doesn't remember now. Okay. Uh, I was in a cash game, 25 uh, 50 cent blinds. And uh, with the small blind from that uh, hand we talked about last week that Chris still doesn't remember because we get the <laughs> vaccine shot. And uh, again, we're in middle position and we look down at a ace king of diamonds. Well, I mean, it's a drawn hand, Gambit. So. Uh... We'll raise whatever the standard is, like three x probably dollar fifty, whatever, right? Exactly. It's all we can do, right? So. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that's exactly what our hero does. He raises to one fifty, folds around to the villain who's now in the button, who calls. The flop is a deuce four eight rainbow, and we are first act, of course. Well, I mean, we we have to see, but I mean that term exists for a reason, so. Let's see, bet, and then probably two thirds of the pot. So what the pot was like? What three, three and a half, something like that. Three with lines. Uh, so, so probably uh, three, three seventy-five. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I'd bet like two, two and a quarter, two and a, two and a quarter, two and a half, something like that. Sounds good to me. Yes, you absolutely have to bet this flop and uh, continue to put the pressure on there. Okay. Cool. All right. Our hero says that uh, I know that the villain likes to play baby cards. But I see bet 250 into the pot of 375, hoping to represent an overpair. Villain calls. Hmm. And uh, Rick says, uh oh. The turn is the nine of clubs, so our board now is deuce four, eight, nine, with two clubs on board, and we are first to act again. Hmm. Well, again, it, this is why people always say I play the player, not the cards. If this person's doing that to us, they're just floating us with nothing because they know what type of player we are and we're the type of player that would miss a flop like this and then see bet and then check the turn and they would just float us and bet out now and steal the pot, then I'm inclined to bet or check raise. So check raise looks kind of fishy, um, especially with now clubs on the board and even more organized board. So I would probably just bet out again. I'd probably bet three bucks. Yeah, this is a tough spot here because um, we're not improving, but none of these cards really we think are improving our opponent either. But we are out of position, and uh, a good player is going to play back at us here. So, you know, uh, so either we keep the pressure up and hope that they just fold and they don't have the stomach to continue. But if we think they're going to play back at us, I, I would recommend a check here and for pot control, knowing that we're still going to have to call a bet. We're not going to get a a free look at the river, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think that's generally when we talk about pot control, we do here. So, uh, yeah. I'm probably checking here, but uh, but certainly continuing to bet, I don't think is a bad move either. Yeah, and it's not that much. It's, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're playing twenty five fifty cent or whatever. Yep. So, I mean, it's but still three dollars is is reasonable. And heads here. up though, so the, yeah, the pot's not getting yeah, it's reasonable too, too uh, bloated right now. 
Um, all right, our hero bets again. He says uh, this time six dollars, uh, hoping to fold them out, especially if he had a little pair. Uh, but our opponent calls. So let's see. The pot was three seventy-five, five. Five. So it was eight seventy-five, and then and we bet six. six. Yeah, I said three. That's like a third of the pot. I would have bet like maybe four. Or so then, so anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, he bet six. So bit more but but yeah he was trying to get a fold um there but uh but so i mean so even though that was more than we would have bet there i mean the information we get is pretty powerful i think i mean what is he calling all that that big size of a bet with right so, right um and really at this point it, it's going to be tough to feel confident about our hands um even if we hit a ace or a king on the river right yeah yeah I mean, obviously, it's a check call at that point, but uh, if we completely miff, then uh, I'm really worried. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the guy bets, too, if we did something like that. It all depends on what happens, but I agree. I think that uh, hitting a card will be a piece of cake. We're going to win this hand. If we don't hit a card, then you're like, uh, um, all right. So all right. So we have how much in the pot now, you think? Uh, well, we just said, what, uh, 875 and now there's another 12 so 2075 Okay, 20, almost $21 in the pot. All right, go ahead. Uh, all right, the river is the jack of spades, so our final board is deuce, four, eight, nine, jack, and we are first to act. <sighs> well, I mean, I guess it's okay to check, and if he tries to bluff at it or whatever, we'll see if it's a bluff. If he value bets something small, he might call just for information. If he makes a medium-sized bet, that's when you really got to decide to fold or not. If he shoves or something, then you think about it. Why would he shove? So... Uh, I'm probably just going to check and see what he does because we—I mean, we missed. We we tried. We we raised with a good hand, missed it. See bet like we're supposed to. You know, got some courage to bet again on the turn. He still didn't go anywhere. So was he calling on a draw? Did he actually have a pair and not believe us? So I think we have to give up here and check and then just see what he does. Yeah, really. I mean, the hands that we can beat here are probably going to check behind anyhow, right? Like an ace queen or would be in the range here, right? Yeah. Just trying to hope he picks something up on all these low cards. He knows those low cards aren't hitting us. So, um, so yeah, we're, if, we, if we bet here, we're going to probably chase that out. And and uh, But if we are up against something that, I mean, even a bear deuces beats us now, right? So yeah. the fact that he's been sticking around here, we have to give him credit for something here. So I would rather not put more money in uh, this pot or at least not put money more in and face a bigger race. So. Um, all right, so our hero does the same thing. He gives up and checks. Okay. It's not surprisingly, the villain shoves his remaining $12, literally throwing his chips across the table. Don't do that. That's rude. That's terrible. And uh, so back on us. Okay. Well, let's let's step back and analyze a couple of things. We'll analyze the story first. Is there a story that makes sense that Jack at the end helped this person or that he already hit the hand and now he's just whatever? So we raised preflop, and we weren't under the gun or anything, so it's not like we could have any two cards, but we did raise. This person called a raise, but he was on the button, so he could have any two cards. That could be anything. He could just be playing position on us. So 248 is reasonably in his flop range because he's just calling and playing the player with sure. position. A nine on the turn. Okay, so let's say he he didn't hit any of those cards yet, but... A hand that could have us beat that would have gone through all of this and played it logically is Jack-10. 
So let's say we have Jack 10 and we just don't believe you hit that flop either. So we called floating you. We were going to bet the turn if you checked the turn, but now we've picked up a straight draw and you bet the turn. So we call with the open ended straight, hoping you'll give up on the river anyway. And now we've hit our Jack. So now we have top pair on the board and you gave up. If you had a pair over the Jacks, we think you're still betting. Absolutely. So it's conceivable he has a hand that beats us. Now the way he bet, now right. puts doubt in my mind that he exactly. actually did have that hand because shoving him and trying to intimidate me and throwing your chips basically across the table at me, why, why are you trying to intimidate me for me not to call? If you have the best hand, you want to get some of my money. You don't want to scare me. So now I'm wondering if this is Hollywood and ignorance and we should call. I'm wondering. It's $12 to win well, it was like $20 on the street. So it's like 32. So, I mean, you're getting three to one on your money. It's only 12 bucks. I mean, I don't know. Like if, I, if it's 25, $50, 50 cent table, generally you're sitting with 50 bucks or so. So if, if I'm going to call 12 to see what this guy, how this guy plays, it might be worth it. I'm probably folding just because he could be playing on a different level where he's thinking, I'm going to think that he was trying to intimidate me when he really did have that. Who knows? So I'm probably am going to fold in this moment. Um, in the home game, I'm probably going to fold in this moment. But if I had the time to process it like you and I just did, I might call because it felt um, disingenuous with that chip throwing across the table. So I'm going to boil this down to this is a 25-cent, 50-cent game. These guys aren't really that good at that game. They're not really playing that game because they're good players. So he may not know that we've all read Caro's book and know that the opposite of what he's doing is what he wants. So. I'm going to call him just for fun. Um, yeah, this actually reminds me of a, a, a hand that I played in Thunder Valley in a tournament where I had the same thing. I had ace-king. I bet it all the way, gave up on the river. Uh, my opponent went all in, and I really sat there and thought for a while and made the call, and he got disgusted and mocked his cards. <laughs> and, nice. And I won the hand, and uh, one of the guys at the table said, man, that's a really good call. And I, it's not a call that I'd normally make, right? I, I just don't. I mean, I, with ace high and that much money or, or chips, and I was tournament there, this is cashier. Uh, at play, I, it's just, I think all the logic should tell you to fold there. So, But if you think about it long enough and you have that feeling that it just doesn't make sense, then you make that call, and, and sometimes you're rewarded. So that that. I, I, I would be not surprised with any hand being turned over by our opponent here. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny you say that. I, I did it once at a cash game on that. Remember the old poker site that we first started playing on called Poker Room? Poker Room with right? the old fat guy, yeah. Right, and then it had like the KGB guy, Teddy KGB guy there and all that. Um, I remember once I raised to a dollar with Ace King, and the it, the board was almost identical to what, you know, it was very similar to what we just went through here. And the guy went all in on me, and I called after, like, I did the extension one minute and all that. And uh, he had ace-queen. And it, it, and I and the guy's like, oh, they've got to type in a thing. Oh, good call and everything. And it was such an adrenaline rush because that was, like, one of the very first times I ever called with ace-high and won, yeah. you know. And it was, like, for a dollar or something. It wasn't a lot. We were playing. No, it might have been more. No, I bet a dollar. So it might have been, like, for $8 or something. But it was just, like, an adrenaline rush. You know, the money meant nothing. But the right call at the right moment like that. So I can see why, you know, Rick would be like, you know, wanting to make this call because he can go through his head and think, 
well, how could he have me beat? Because he wouldn't have had any of these cards. But you and I already went through this and found a hand that beats us. So it really just gets back to the tells. And you and I are going to – I think you're going to call too, right? Uh, yeah. I, I, it, really, it's exactly what you said, the, the literally throwing his chips across the table yeah. and the all-in. I mean, it, this is kind of what in, – in the situation that I mentioned in Thunder Valley, uh, my opponent didn't throw his chips across the table. But but just his look and, and just the feel made me feel like that they're, they're, that <clears throat> it was a bluff. Um, <clears throat> now, of course, there's some bluffs here that we can't beat, right? So – I mean, if he's sitting on something like Ace Deuce or something, you know, yeah. it's probably still considered a bluff, but we can't beat it. So, but it's just that action that makes me really think that uh, something is amiss here. So. But that is a great point, though, right? Because even what if he's still trying to intimidate you because he doesn't want you to call with your pocket tens, and I have Ace Deuce, and he's still going to win with deuces, and there's nothing we can do about it now because he's all in. You right. can't yeah. re-raise him out, you know. So, oh, that's a great point. I never really thought about him bluffing with the best hand. Yeah, right. You know, that sucks. Possible. But, That's what I'm saying. So really, there could be all kinds of different hands turned over here. Yeah. So, so there's reasons to fold. More, there are more reasons to fold than to call, but I think Definitely. we're still going to call. <laughs> it's, exactly. It right? doesn't hurt us at all on a show like this to call. <laughs> well, our credibility maybe, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here it says, as I was getting my cards ready to throw them in the muck, I decided to take a moment and think. I think it went like this. I couldn't put them on a lone jack. And if he had pocket jacks for a set, then he would have re-raised pre-flop. If he had a baby pair, then he probably would have just called with his showdown value. If he had more than one pair, two pair a set, he surely would have come alive earlier. And if he wanted to call, surely he wouldn't have chucked his chips in so forcefully. I had to have him beat. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, I mean, we, we came up with scenarios where he could have a lone jack. But um, yeah. other than that, I pretty much agree with what he said. I think the... The jacks may have re-raised. They may not have. You know, a lot of people just call with tens and jacks and things like that. They're not that great of a hand. Um, he might have come alive with those all undercards twice. You know, he might have raised on the turn or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally, I agree with this synopsis. Other than the, the jet loan jack thing, I think jack ten is perfectly plausible here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our hero says, I think I really pressed the rest of the table when I confidently called, announcing ace high, and took the pot. I have to admit, oh. it was one of my prouder moments. The villain showed his bad luck as he called a raise with three, five, I'm trying to tray five of clubs, flopped wow. a straight draw, turned a flush draw, and blanked out. Uh, wow. Luckily for me, he didn't bet his draws. So, yeah, again, so, I mean, his mistake was literally throwing his chips across the table. I think we can agree, right? Yeah. Because the, the shove is one thing, but the way he did it was what I think put pause in all three of our minds here. And so just that's the lesson you should take out of this hand is really nothing how it played out. It's just if you – we talk about this a lot, right? If you make the same bets pre-flop, then you're not giving them any information. Same thing as if you place your bets the exact same way every time, you're not giving any information. But – you know, if you get excited and, and, and throw them across the table like this guy did, when you don't normally do that, that's information that you're giving. Now, whether it's information that people pick up on or not, um, or decipher is a different story. But You remember Jennifer Harmon's tip on ESPN that time? She's talking about, they were talking about tells, and they were interviewing her as one of those segments like they always did back in the day. And she's like, here's a tell that always works for me. When someone bets their chips and they just throw them further away from where they are, then they are bluffing because they're trying to intimidate you but when they keep them close they know they're they know they're going to win the hand so they're just going to pull their own chips right back to themselves yep. Yep. and so this is very similar to that although this is a little more intimidating and the other thing i found interesting is 
you know, 15 years into this, Scott still corrects himself when he says three and then makes him say, I don't understand why you were so offended by the word three versus Trey. I don't know, but I always now have to say Trey because I don't want you yelling at me. <laughs> it's like the only place that you can say Trey and Deuce is in the Pokemon world. Everywhere else, it's two and three. Like, you know, if like, you know, the hostess says, uh, how many tonight? And then I say Deuce. She's kind of like, what, what the heck are you talking about, right? Although, no, that is actually that, not the tray, but the deuce is a term they use in the service industry. You know, I, I, how many tables do you have? Oh, I have I have a, a, a sixth over here and I have a deuce over there. They say that all the time. I was a waiter for years. So deuce might get away with but but tray, yeah, I don't think you're going to say a tray, you know. In basketball, you would. Or if you're in Columbia or something, you would. <laughs> <laughs> basketball. All right. Well, Rick, thanks for giving us all that uh, great content. You know, you might get a sponsorship from Unibet. You know, you're providing all this content. <laughs> Depending on your content creator. That's right. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.